Welcome to PackSafe's Legal Departments of the Future podcast. I'm PackSafe founder and CEO, Brian Powers. In this podcast, I sat down with Nathan Garnett, the general counsel of OfferUp, where we talk about his path to building the legal department at OfferUp. And he tells a really fascinating story about how he successfully repurposed JIRA as an effective contract management tool. All right, welcome to our latest episode of Legal Departments of the Future. I'm Brian Powers, the CEO of PackSafe. Today with me, I have Nathan Garnett, the General Counsel at OfferUp. Thanks for joining me today, Nathan. Thanks for having me. So we are, uh, I think this is our fourth episode that we've recorded during the COVID area. How, uh, how is COVID treating you? Staying uh, sane, healthy? productive, all that? Yeah, it's uh, uh, for us, the transition to uh, working remote has is, is, is not been too challenging. Um, uh, a lot of, uh, fortunately for us, a, a lot of our, our jobs can be done remote. Um, you miss that face-to-face interaction, of course, uh, but I think we're, we're all adjusting to our new video conference world. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, the, on the company side, um, uh, the, the transition's gone okay. Um, and then, and then, from a business performance perspective, uh, we've held up. We've held up there, okay, too. So, uh, we'll see what the future brings. But uh, 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 so far, we're feeling very fortunate. That's great. And homeschooling is is going well too, right? Yeah. Uh, a challenge to keep everyone's schedules managed. Uh, instead of managing one calendar, I've now got to manage four with the three kids. But uh, I think slowly but surely, we're getting that figured out too. Great. Great to hear. So let's let's get into a little bit about your background, um, how you got into law, and, and what was the path that took you to offer up. Sure, thought about going to law school when I was an undergrad, um, and and it felt felt like a big commitment, and especially coming right out of out of uh, undergrad where I'd been in school for four years. So I took a job at, at a law firm to see what it was like and if I wanted to do it, and. Um, uh, quickly realized that I was doing the same work as the lawyers, but getting paid a lot less for it. So uh, uh, I went to law school at the University of Washington and didn't really know what I wanted to do. Litigation was the only thing I'd been exposed to. And uh, the the job that I got coming out of law school was actually in-house uh, straight from straight from law school at a company called drugstore.com, uh, which was later bought by, by Walgreens. Um, and uh, that job, when I started, was a lot of managing their litigation. But as we as we settled or or won a lot of those cases, um, the job shifted more to the business transactional side because that's where the work was. And I uh, realized that I actually enjoyed doing that work and shifted kind of how I thought my career was going to go. Uh, um, um, particularly after one large deal that I that I worked on and kind of run as a had a unique opportunity to run a fairly big deal as a, as a junior lawyer. Um, so uh, I felt like I, I needed some law firm experience. So after drugstore.com, I went to Perkins Coie in Seattle and was in the technology transactions group, which was great experience. I had amazing clients, uh, great colleagues. Um, uh, I still use them as my primary outside counsel now. So uh, 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 enjoyed my time there and uh, wasn't looking to leave and 
but I got an offer to go uh, work with um, the general counsel had first hired me at, at drugstore.com and had moved on to another company. And uh, she made me an offer I felt like I couldn't refuse, which was that I'd, I'd come I'd come join her, help her rebuild the, the team that she had just joined, uh, be the number two lawyer. And, and her pitch to me was essentially, uh, if you ever want to be a public company general counsel, I'll, I'll give you all of the experience you would need to, to put on your resume to, to be uh, competitive for, for that sort of role. Um, and uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't looking to leave Perkins, but I thought about it and realized that that was probably not uh, an offer I would ever get again. So uh, I took her up on it um, and then eventually, eventually did become general counsel of that company. Uh, had a great run there, uh, did a lot of interesting stuff. Um, uh, and then when, when that company reorganized, they don't actually have, uh, any, any, uh, any people in Seattle anymore. They moved their headquarters to Dallas. Um, uh, I, I helped and then moved on and helped, uh, get, uh, Avalara, which is, a um, now a public company, but at that point was a late stage venture back company that does, uh, sales tax compliance as a SaaS service, helped, uh, take them public. So worked on the S1, uh, worked on a lot of the compliance stuff necessary to get them ready. Um, and that was an interesting opportunity for me while I looked for my next general counsel job. Um, and uh, uh, as we were, as we were finishing the S1, I was having conversations with a number of, of startups that were looking for their first GC, uh, including, including OfferUp. And uh, I just really fit well with the, with the team. I liked what the company was doing. Uh, I had a good friend who was on the executive team um, and it seemed like a, a really cool opportunity. So so I uh, uh, made the jump to, to become uh, OfferUp's uh, first lawyer and first general counsel uh, in October of 2017. So I've been here uh, about, about two and a half years. So first lawyer, at OfferUp, how big was the company when you joined as the first lawyer? Uh, we had about 250 employees, um, and it was, uh, but that was it was pre-revenue, which had its its pluses and minuses. We were just starting out our revenue initiatives, but prior to that point, um, the company the company had been focused on building the marketplace, getting users. That had been kind of what the what the VCs had, had told them to focus on. So uh, uh, not unrelated to to my coming on board, uh, uh, they were launching a, a number of initiatives to to start revenue. So from a from a revenue perspective, this company was still very small. From a people perspective, uh, um, we were about 250 employees. And so, what's the size of the legal team now? Uh, so there's me, and I have two other lawyers, and then I also oversee our investigations team. So we have a team that uh, solely focuses on managing crime and fraud uh, uh, that happens on our platform. So there are five of them so that they also, they also report into me. So essentially you've taken the legal team from zero to nine. Um, how, <clears throat> about how long has that taken? Well, so the, the, the investigations team existed in a kind of different form uh, prior to, to me coming on board. Uh, but, but yeah, so I, I joined, I, my, I have a junior lawyer uh, who's who's amazing, who had been who'd been an intern for me at, at Avalara, uh, who I asked to come on board and help me out uh, to do just kind of all kinds of stuff. Uh, we were we didn't yet have we didn't yet have enough work to justify me bringing on a, a more senior lawyer, but but bringing Max on at a relatively inexpensive salary to just do a little bit of everything, which I knew he was very capable of from my prior work with him. Uh, so he came on board. 
couple months after I started, uh, first part-time and then, and then full-time. It was easy to, once people saw the work that he was doing, it was easy to justify uh, adding him to the budget. Uh, and then um, the investigations team came under, under the legal department probably a year, a year into my tenure. Um, and then about a year ago, I think April, April of 2019, uh, I added, added Ann, our, our, our more senior lawyer. So I think it'd be great to understand what the function of the legal department is at OfferUp, but if you would first maybe give everybody that is not fully familiar with OfferUp, just tell us about what what you guys do. Yeah, OfferUp is a, is a, a goods marketplace, a peer-to-peer marketplace. So uh, kind of like Craigslist, kind of like eBay, kind of like uh, Facebook marketplace, uh, we're we have a web, uh, uh, we have a website and a web app, but uh, mostly we're mobile focused. And so uh, the company was founded to be a, a mobile first marketplace and designed from the very beginning to be very easy to use uh, uh, on your smartphone. Um, so we uh, connect connect people who are looking to buy and sell goods, uh, mostly locally, uh, but we did add a shipping option uh, about a year and a half ago. So some percentage of our, our items are now enabled for shipping and you can you can ship through the app. So tell me about the, what does the legal department do in a business like OfferUp? Like what's your, what's your day-to-day look like? Yeah, so we, uh, I come from uh, a background of working with, with general counsels when I was co- coming up who uh, emphasized very much that the legal department needed to be part of the business. Uh, we're not a legal department that sits off on the corner and waits for people to come to us and then checks the box yes or no. Uh, we try to be very integrated with what the with what the business is doing, and so uh, um, that was my goal from the very beginning: is to spend a lot of time with the business people, um, and particularly in a in a startup where there's a lot of people who are early in their careers uh, or haven't been haven't been places with established legal departments. There's a lot of uh, initially, there's a lot of people asking, well, you know, wait a minute, I'm having a product design meeting. Why is there a lawyer in the room? Uh, so I had to do some education on, well, there's a lawyer in the room so that uh, uh, we can help you spot issues ahead of time. But also, uh, I've been around, uh, so I can help you on not just the, the legal risk issues, but uh, also some of the business risk issues and the business opportunities. Um, and so uh, that is... Uh, as I brought on other people, uh, I was looking for people who could perform that same function because I now can't be in, in every one of those meetings. So uh, uh, that's very much a focus when I'm hiring is uh, we are we are integrated in the business. So we sit in a lot of the we sit in a lot of the product meetings. So we spend a lot of time on that. Uh, obviously, the the contracts are a big part of a big part of the role. That's you know commercial agreements are the bread and butter of most in-house legal departments. So uh, uh, spend a lot of time on that for sure. Occasionally regulatory issues come up, we work on that. Um, And then for me personally, I spend a lot of time working on just executive stuff. I think uh, uh, anyone who's been a general counsel at a a company of a certain size uh, can, can, can recognize that you just spend a lot of time doing stuff that isn't technically a lawyer's job. It's just Sometimes, as the GC, you're the utility player on the executive team. Uh, so, I do I do a lot of different things, uh, and then uh, try to spend time managing and developing the team. Um, and uh, 
uh, that's kind of one of my goals for goals for the next year is to spend more time on that because uh, I've been pretty busy with uh, with some big stuff we've been working on and, and, and haven't been spending as much time on that. But that's, I think, also a, a thing that I need to spend a lot of time on uh, during my day. So as you've built the legal team, um, what are some of the challenges that you faced over the past couple of years? I'm sure there's been plenty. Yeah, I think that the, the biggest challenge, uh, particularly being that not just the first GC, but the first lawyer is to, has been to establish what the legal department's role is and how how people ought to work with us uh, because people come from lots of different backgrounds. Uh, they may come from the, uh, the background of a big company where uh, there's a large legal team, but maybe they don't interact with that team very often or when they do, it's within some very constrained uh, uh, guidelines and boundaries. Um, other people come from startups that uh, didn't have a lawyer or only had outside counsel. And so uh, they're not used to talking to lawyers or they're, if they are, uh, it's only like, you have to bring the problem to the lawyer fully baked. Um, and, uh, or, or maybe, uh, maybe they've worked with a legal department that wasn't particularly business savvy or, or looking to help the business. And so there's, there's people who's kind of, uh, their initial inclination is to hide the ball like, hey, let's not tell the lawyers about this because they might say no. Um, uh, so in the early days, uh, the biggest challenge was just establishing, hey, you know, we have a legal department now. Uh, this is what I want the legal department's role to be. This is how I want you to work with the legal department. Um, and, uh, you know, some of that, some of that just takes time. Uh, you have to establish trust. Um, you can tell people all you want, but in but uh, it, what it takes is being in the room and actually establishing that you add value uh, for people to understand uh, why it's important uh, to have you there. Um, so uh, that was the biggest challenge early on. And then there was just, you know, there was this, this silly stuff that you get uh, uh, in an early stage company um, uh, where just people don't understand what the GC role is or, or what the legal department ought to be. Like I had, uh, uh, another department had an open rec uh, when I started for a lawyer to join their team. And uh, I was a little confused early on. It's like, wait a minute, like you're going to hire another lawyer who's not going to be in the legal department. And uh, they were confused why I thought that that was a problem. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I tried to be gentle and tactful about it, but you know, finally the, uh, uh, the executive oversaw that and I just had a chat. And I was like, look, this, this can't, this can't work. We can't have, uh, uh, we can't have, two sets of opinions. There's got to be one, one legal decision maker here. So, uh, and then, you know, uh, um, uh, in terms of what the legal department's role was in reviewing contracts, uh, uh, certainly there were people who were like, ah, you know, uh, you'll review contracts when we bring them to you, but if we don't bring it to you, you know, we should be fine to sign it on, on, on our own. And uh, so establishing that, no, that that's not going to work. Uh, uh, not, not only is that not going to work, but but you should you should want to have the legal team uh, helping you out. Um, so that that is uh, that's that's been the biggest challenge. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's been a huge problem, uh, largely because uh, I had the faith and confidence of of my boss, the CEO, uh, from the beginning. Um, and so, uh, you know, I was never in a situation that I know some other GCs, particularly people who are, who are kind of creating the role for the first time run into, which is, 
you know, a CEO who, who maybe doesn't completely support you. So you get people who are, who know that they can, they can end run around. And that's fortunately for me, never been the case. Uh, uh, you know, once Nick, our CEO and founder made the decision that he was going to hire a GC, uh, um, you know, he was, he was committed to that. So, um, uh, yeah, the, the, it, it's not an insurmountable challenge, but it takes work. It takes, it takes spending time with the business people. Uh, it takes, uh, um, you know, establishing some parameters and some processes that are right sized for, for where you're at. Um, and that means, you know, sometimes early on, uh, your, your forms that you may bring over from, from a more established company uh, are gonna be too heavy for, for this, this, the company that you're at. And so, you know, the five page contract process document that I may have had in another company had to be one page to start out with just so people would understand it and it wouldn't feel like I was creating a ton of process that people would just ignore. So, um, and then over time uh, uh, you continue to reevaluate uh, what's appropriate and you may may add some more process or you may refine the process where things aren't aren't working the way they ought to be so that's uh, uh, that's been the er that's been the biggest challenge in the early days and I, I think we've been I think we've been pretty successful at it but that's that's only because uh, uh, we've just made a deliberate decision to, to work hard at it so it sounds like you've developed a pretty successful approach to working um, across the business and becoming, you know, a, a valued part of the business. Can you tell me a little bit about how you've worked with product teams there specifically? Yeah. I, you know, we're still, we're still refining this. In fact, I had a conversation with uh, one of our senior lawyers uh, the other day about perhaps writing down specifically kind of what our expectation is for process. But um, uh, our hope is that, you know, fairly early in the stage of, adding a new feature or adding a new product or, or, you know, materially changing a product that uh, uh, will be part of those conversations. We don't have to be part of every conversation and we don't have to be part of the per first conversation, but when you start to formally think about it, uh, the legal department should be invited in. And that's uh, um, partly because we're not a legal department of no, we're a legal department of, you know, let's 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 if there's an issue let's help you quantify what the risk is and then if we can let's try to find a way to do something that's perhaps less risky um and so uh the challenge if you come in late in the process is that a lot of decisions may already be made and some things may be fully baked and then you're forced to be the person who has to say no start over again you just wasted the last six weeks um, so we try to be early. Uh, we also try to be early because as you see the iterations of the uh, product process, you really get that helps you really understand uh, what the goals and opportunities and risks are for that product. Why are they doing the things that they're doing? Uh, and having that understanding allows you to be more creative in finding solutions uh, uh, that will that will solve legal uh, risk and opportunity issues. So um, yeah, our, our expectation is that is that somebody on the legal team will be working with the product teams on a regular basis. So, uh, you know, if they have a weekly, if they have a weekly team check-in, that's an ideal place for the, uh, uh, for the lawyer to attend. Uh, if there are uh, specific conversations going on uh, uh, that pertain to kind of a, a legal issue, 
or, or maybe just a broader kind of risk risk issue. Um, uh, then the expectation is, you know, either the either lawyers in that meeting or perhaps they're they're kind of reading the brief. Um, uh, we've become a uh, we've become a, a document-based company. Uh, uh, I think thanks to uh, some executives who've come over from Amazon, where they're kind of famous for for their written documents. So we've we've shifted from from being a PowerPoint company to being a document company. So one of the nice things about that is. Uh, anyone who is creating or proposing a, a new product or feature uh, needs to write that down and talk about it so we, so we can review that. So um, uh, the hope is that when something is being elevated uh, uh, and is ready to be reviewed by the executive team to, to, to either sign off on it or, or tell them to go back and, and, and work on it again, is that you know that's not the first time that I'm seeing it. Uh, because I, I hate to be in a position uh, of of telling people at that stage, like, hey, the reason your thing isn't getting approved by the executive team is because you have legal issues. Ideally, we would have already fully vetted those beforehand. Um, so, uh, and I, I think we've been pretty successful in uh, uh, in creating that message and, and helping people understand it. Um, but, it, you know, we have to keep working on it always because, as the company grows, there's new people. Uh, and as the company grows, there's new products. And so uh, while you may uh, have created that relationship very successfully with one product line, uh, when there's a new product line with a, a new leader who's new to the company, uh, you gotta do that work again. So uh, uh, I suspect that this will be a thing that I'm working on uh, for as long as I'm, I'm a general counsel at honestly any company. I think you're probably right, but that's a great approach. I think it's well thought out, especially considering that it's you're early in the <clears throat> you're in the early days of rolling it out. So one thing we always like to talk about on here is uh, how legal departments are adapting technology, you know, in, in innovative ways to to make them more efficient, more seamless inside the business. Do you have any good examples you can share with us there? Yeah, one thing we do, and, and I know we're not the only ones who do this, although uh, um, uh, I think we independently invented it, um, is uh, we use JIRA, uh, particularly JIRA's Kanban board feature to manage our contract process flow. Um, so uh, if you're not familiar with JIRA, it's a, it's a ticketing system that, that engineers in particular use uh, um, to track tickets, uh, track issues, assign them to people, uh, and then uh, you, can, you can use it in a, several different interfaces. Um, uh, the one that I like is is called the Kanban board, where each uh, you s create columns uh, that align to different steps in a process, and then you can move the tickets back and forth across it. Um, uh, uh, I think it's originally a, a concept from Japan where they would have a big a big board on a wall, and you'd move uh, index cards back and forth uh, across the uh, across the the different columns. So. Um, I, at my prior company, where we didn't have a, uh, we didn't have the budget um, or the engineering resources to create a dedicated contract process, uh, um, um, one of the uh, one of the other lawyers came up with this idea, and then we've kind of worked on it since then uh, of, of using the using Jira and using the Kanban board. So, um, you know, when the, the the first column is basically new issue, so. Um, We've set up a custom, custom ticket type uh, um, page. Uh, so, 
the, the teams are, are now trained to, to go to that page, fill out the form that's on that page, which automatically generates a ticket. And the first column is, is ticket created, uh, waiting for somebody to take it. Uh, and then, uh, then we go to legal review, business review, uh, counterparty review. Um, uh, I, think, uh, I think then it's ready for signature and, and, uh, and then signed. And the tickets can move back and forth between the columns. So you know, it'll go to counterparty review and then it'll go back to legal review or back to business review. That process has been super successful for us. You know, as with, as with any new process you roll out, there's some resistance to people who, who feel like they're, they're drowning in process, but they quickly realize that this makes it, uh, makes it really easy for them to always know where their, where their uh, deal is in the queue um, and what the process is. Uh, and they've learned that it's really easy to add new comments and new, new documents to the, to the ticket and you can track it really well. One thing I've done in the past, uh, but I haven't yet rolled out here, is is it also creates the ability to, to track some metrics about how how long things take to move through the system, um, you know, what your backlog is, stuff like that. We haven't we haven't yet got to the point where uh, putting the effort into doing that uh, I think would have a uh, an ROI that that makes it worth the time. But I think we'll eventually get there. So um, uh, for anyone who for anyone who doesn't have a contract uh, life cycle management system already in place uh, and does have JIRA or another type of ticketing system uh, that's similar, uh, particularly at an earlier stage company, uh, uh, yeah, I encourage you to, to try that out because it's, it's, really, it's worked really well at, at at least two different legal departments that I've been involved in. That's a great story. And the best part about it is you probably didn't even have to ask for additional budget to buy contract management software, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, we didn't. And, and, you know, we've been we've been pitched uh, by a number of different companies and uh, um, uh, who have really cool solutions. But every time I look at it, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's better than what we have. And uh, uh, and what we have right now, everybody, we already have a seat license for uh, uh, for uh, Jira for every one of our employees. So, yeah, it doesn't cost me a dime. That's incredible. So I know you've been busy. We've uh, we've been trying to have this discussion for a while, and you've been super bogged down in a big transaction. Uh, you want to, which I'm I'm sure you've celebrated completing. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So we're we're signed. We're not yet closed. Uh, uh, we're uh, um, uh, we had two two government regulatory reviews: the HSR antitrust review and the CFIUS uh, review for for foreign investments. So. Uh, we found out we got uh, cleared by HSR yesterday, so I'm pretty excited about that. But we're still waiting on the the CFIUS review to get closed. Um, so we uh, uh, we signed a deal to acquire the U.S. assets of um, uh, one of our kind of direct competitors, which is Letgo, which is who are, are also uh, an app-first, mobile-first uh, goods marketplace. Um, they're they're based out of Barcelona uh, as their headquarters, but the the U.S. was their was their biggest market. So, you know, a a, a big competitor of ours, um, uh, but also a, a big opportunity for for synergy because they're strong in a lot of markets where where we're not, and vice versa. Um, and with any marketplace, the network effect of having buyers and sellers who can connect with each other uh, um, is is critically important. You got to kind of hit that hit that critical mass. So adding some some new strong markets for us 
um, uh, and adding a bunch of, of their users uh, 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 was was really important to us. So we uh, uh, we've been talking to them on and off for over two years. I think the the first time I ever put together a, a term sheet uh, uh, was not too long after I started. Um, so really, really happy that, that this deal finally got done. Signed the LOI in late January, uh, kind of as this whole uh, COVID situation was starting to unfold. Uh, and then uh, uh, things just got worse and worse uh, in the outside world as we continued to work on the deal. And uh, uh, that certainly added an element of stress to an already complicated deal. Uh, um, and uh, the, the other element of the deal is that LetGo's largest investor uh, and our investors are putting an additional $120 million into the business. So, so uh, a, a big acquisition plus a, a financing round makes for a complicated deal. And then uh, uh, having the markets going crazy with this kind of unpre unprecedented and tragic situation uh, uh, added uh, additional stress and complication to the deal. So uh, when we when we finally got to the point where we're ready to sign it, uh, obviously it was very relieved and, and uh, definitely ready to, to celebrate and, and then take a nap. <laughs> well, congrats on getting it across the line. That's uh, it's pretty impressive given everything that's happening in the world right now. Thank you. Well, Nathan, this has been great. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And uh, thank you. Thank you, Brian.